Hosted by Grant Stern. Tonight's show is underwritten by Morningside Mortgage Corporation. Morningside Mortgage Corporation keeps the Only in Miami show commercial free. You can find them online at www.morningsidemortgage.com. That's www.morningsidemortgage.com. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We have a very special program lined up, and we are going to be montaging and remembering and looking back at the year in review on the Only in Miami show for all of 2014. We're going to remember some of our best and most frequent guests, uh, listen to some of our more interesting moments, and... We're going to have a really good time with that. We have the Drastic Fanatic coming live into the studio at the 8 o'clock hour. Uh, Drastic Fanatic is going to recap the NFL season in review. Uh, we're going to preview the playoffs, discuss the NBA season kickoff on Christmas Day, and have a lot of fun. We're going to also take your calls in the 8 o'clock hour. Right now, we've got one Miami Heat ticket to give away on the Only in Miami show. So if you call 305-541-2350, we're going to give it to the fourth caller. Call 305-541-2350. If you want a last-minute Miami Heat ticket, give a call, 305-541-2350. Well, normally this is the part of the show where I opine about something that affects us in Miami or beyond, but... Tonight, instead, we're going to bring a special live update from Pinac News. Pinac News is uh, a website. You can find it at pinacnews.com or at www.photographyisnotacrime.com. And we have been putting together podcasts with Pinac News for the last couple of months, and we're going to be putting them on to 880 The Biz in 2015. But they're already on SoundCloud. You can check them out at soundcloud.com slash photographyisnotacrime.com. And we're very excited to have Carlos Miller joining us by Skype and Taylor Hardy joining us live from downtown Miami where there is a thousand-member strong law enforcement protest. And uh, we're going to discuss what has been going on in Ferguson what has been going on in Berkeley? There was a recent officer-involved shooting in Berkeley, Missouri, which is right next door to Ferguson this past weekend, and really dig into the topic for a little bit and find out what's going on in downtown Miami live right now, too. So, uh, uh, Carlos, are you out there on Skype? I am here, Grant. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining us tonight. And, Taylor, do we have you out there at the, the protest? Sure. Yes, I am here. Okay. Taylor. Uh, please tell the audience a little bit about what's going on in downtown Miami right now. Well, I can tell you out here from the AAA all the way down to, I would say, about the, uh, the Freedom Torch, loads and crowds of people are marching along Biscayne Boulevard protesting in support of police. They want the community, they want the community to support their police officers. So it's just a, a, a big number of NYPD, federal police officers, uh, different agencies in Florida and throughout the nation are here gathered uh now carlos have you seen throughout the country these kind of things happening is this something that's that's going on around the country right now 
Uh, I didn't get a chance to hear Taylor, but we're talking about police protest or just yes, anti-police yes, brutality uh, protest? Uh, police protesting the protesters, I guess. Yeah, well, this is something that apparently started in New York recently with the NYPD and their disdain for the mayor. And it seems like it's picking up all over the country. And it, and it seems like police around the country have, have bonded together ever since the NYPD shootings of the two officers two weeks ago. So Taylor, uh, it, yeah. are the police uh, uh, are the police that are protesting behaving in a peaceful fashion? Are they the or, or are they yeah. blocking streets and keeping the officers traffic are moving? behaving uh, very peacefully? They briefly uh, blocked Biscayne Boulevard right in front of Chipotle to uh, pose for a photo and to chat. This is enough. While blocking Biscayne Boulevard, I'm out here right now. And Biscayne Boulevard is backed up from the Triple A all the way back to the Miami River. Traffic is just a nightmare out here. So the police are disrupting traffic for their protest. This protest is greatly disrupting traffic. Along, we'll actually partner with the Heat game tonight. So it's just a combination of just bad. So why are the why did the police choose to uh, disrupt a Miami Heat game for their protest? They could have done it somewhere else, right? That is correct. A different date also. Um, while they were blocking the traffic, they, the organizer, uh, FOP President Javier Ortiz, uh, ordered all the protests back on the sidewalk. And when he said that, his comment was, we are law-abiding citizens. We're not like those other protests. We follow the rules. Okay. Well, Taylor, do you want to see if you can get one of the, the cops that's there to, to speak on the air? Do you think that's I'm some... right, right now, I'm looking for Javier Ortiz, the <laughs> president and the organizer. I'm, I'm trying to find him right now. I just lost him for a second. Uh, let's see if he'll talk to me. Okay, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, we're going to keep your, your mic open, and, and we're going to keep listening to you in the booth, and I'm going to ask Carlos a little bit about what's going on. Because for those of you who have been keeping up with the news, there was a major event in Berkeley, Missouri, this past weekend, another um, out-of-control scene. Carlos? Can you tell our listening audience a little bit about what happened in Berkeley this weekend? Yeah, well, well first of all, Berkeley is about two to five miles away from Ferguson. It's another su suburb in St. Louis County. And they, we had a shooting there. The police shot an 18-year-old man, 18-year-old black man, and the police happened to be white. And this is at a time in that area where there's a lot of racial tension between white police officers and black citizens. Police are saying this 18-year-old walked out of a convenience store and pulled a gun on the officer and the officer shot him dead and they have surveillance video but the surveillance video they released they crop it right after the the young man apparently pulled a gun so we can see him pointing something at the officer but it's not very clear if it's a gun or it could be a cell phone or it could be just his finger they stop it there and then they crop it so we see the officer shooting and 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 falling down trying to escape from the fear of this guy maybe having a gun. But we don't see the young man with his gun. We don't see any gun. They crop it because they're saying out of respect for the family. But, but when doing that, they raise all kinds of skepticism where, where people are saying, well, you know, we want to see the actual gun if there was a gun. So protesters are becoming more volatile out there. They're, they want the answers. The cops, they have the surveillance video. All they have to do is release the whole video. At the same time, the cop had a body cam, but he did not have it on. He said they just received the body cam and they were not trained to use these body cams. The officer also had a dash cam in his car, but apparently the dash cams only turn on when the officer's sirens 
and emergency lights go on, which he did not have. So there's no dash cam footage, there's no body cam footage, and we have crop footage from the surveillance video. They also said initially they were responding to a routine business call, but it turned that they later switched it to a robbery call. But if you look at the surveillance video, you see the two men standing in front of the convenience store for several seconds. And this is not the way people act if they just robbed the store. And when the cop pulled up, they actually walked up to the cop. So it, it didn't look like they had much to hide. And there's a lot of questions to be answered. It could be settled real quickly if the officers just released the full video, but they have not done so. That's pretty odd um, to, to actually, like, tamper with the evidence before releasing it to the public. Is that something that police officers usually do in, in criminal cases? Well, either sometimes they just don't release the footage or when they want to actually justify whatever they're saying, approve whatever they're saying, they, they, they're very happy to, to release it. When they don't release it, it usually indicates they have something to hide. Uh, let's see if Taylor's out there. Taylor, can you still hear us, buddy? Taylor, do we... Yeah, I'm still here. All righty. And any luck finding the uh, the protest organizers? Give me, give me one minute, Okay, no problem. Just bust in there. Whenever you have a chance, you can go back on mute there, but we'll keep you live in the booth so we can hear you when you're ready. All righty. Um, so, so tell me this. I mean, this is something that I think is really unusual. How often do police groups protest funerals? Is this something that's unusual? Do a lot of groups protest funerals, or is this something that's unique to the police? I've never heard of this. And there has been in the past where pro police have protested. We saw that here in Miami, I believe it was a year ago, or maybe a few months ago, where they were protesting. They had a contract dispute, and they basically went into City Hall, and they intimidated the city council members where they had to run away. But protesting a funeral, that's something we've only seen from the Westboro Baptist Church. Or, you know, they're the who, ones who are they? Because I've heard of them before. Yeah, they're this group who, who basically very... It's hard to explain who they are. They're just a family, and they call themselves a church, and they basically hold up signs that say, God hates fags, and all kinds of things like that. And they disrupt military funerals, veterans who've been killed overseas, and they protest those funerals. They actually went to court, and they won the right to protest these funerals because the court decided this is a First Amendment right. But most people do not want to protest funerals out of respect. And, and so this is why it's very interesting how the cops do that. Okay, so for our listening audience, though, what these cops are doing protesting funerals, while it is viewed with disdain by most of society, is a First Amendment right. It is a First Amendment right, but at the same time, they, they, are, they are in uniform, and who knows what kind of policies they have. You know, I, I can't answer that. Who knows if they have certain policies they're breaking, but they're not breaking any law. So do you think that we're going to see even more attention over this latest incident, uh, the, the, the Berkeley incident. Is, right. is, does attention shift now from Mike Brown to Berkeley or is it both? Or, I mean, do, do you see that? Do you think that we're going to keep building up with even more uh, tension in that region, which is obviously echoing throughout the country these days? Yeah. Well, the Mike Brown thing, right when you thought it was over, the prosecutor admitted that he allowed witnesses to testify to the grand jury who he knew were lying, including one lady who was not even at the scene, it, it looks like. So that actually raises more skepticism or more just anger because people are really seeing this for what it really is. And it just looks like a huge cover-up. And now with the Berkeley thing, it looks like, well, they're not releasing the full video. It looks like more of a cover-up. 
there's a lot of tension out there. The cops are, are tense. They're with NYPD shooting. They're, the cops are scared. It, it's, it's getting crazy hey, Grandma, Bobby, all over the country. Okay. Uh, Taylor. Yes. You, you have Javier? Yes. Javier, uh, Javier, give me, give us his full name. Go ahead. Hey, ha- Javier, it's Javier Ortiz, right? You got to talk really loud. Javier, thank you so much for joining us. My name is Grant Stern, and you're on the Only in Miami show on 880 AM, The Biz. Awesome. So what is your protest movement about tonight? You've got a lot, lot of law enforcement officers out in downtown Miami. Uh, the reason the reason why this team together. Give me one second. Let me, let me ask you a question because he's gonna put me on video every time he asks me a question. Can I put the phone down? Because it's, it's no. Keep the phone up because uh, you're on the the air. You're live on the radio. Oh, I'm live. Okay. You are Hi, live. <laughs> anyway, the reason why we put this law enforcement support rally together was because enough is enough. About 10 days ago, two NYPD officers were killed solely because of wearing a uniform, a badge, and a gun. And enough is enough. It wasn't because they were involved in some type of controversy. For the last four months, law enforcement has been getting just a bad name, a bad rap. All these race baiters out there like Al Sharpton, they want to label every law enforcement officer as a racist. And I, I take offense to that. And so do the tens of thousands of law enforcement officers that come out here day in, day out. Not only to protect their family, but also to protect the community. Well, and that's Mr. why I decided to put this rally together. Mr. Ortiz, are you seeing similar threats to the Miami police force uh, that obviously happened up in New York? Or are they being threatened in any way? Have there been yeah, actual uh, reports? No, we're being threatened everywhere. Um, we were just threatened in Topsville County over, over overnight at 3 in the morning. We had a drive-by. Uh, last week here in the city of Miami, officers were indiscriminately shot at. And um, we have threats at this event. I mean... I'm wearing a really nice suit, but I'm also wearing a, a, a class three, a uh, bulletproof vest because of the incredible threats that we have here. So, yes, it's very, very real to all of us. Well, my my biggest question, and I know that a lot of listeners want to know, um, is the city of Miami going to seek body cameras for its police to make sure that we know what happens if something like this were to happen to the police, so that we know who the killers might be if there was some sort of threat? Is that something well, that's problem, on the horizon? The problem with body cameras is, as you know, there's pros and cons. The pros are, yeah, you get it on video. But there's plenty of times that it's like these two officers that were killed up in New York, Ramos and Lou, there would have been no video. They were shot in the head by a coward. And in order for those cameras to work, you would have to turn on the camera. So, and we're not necessarily against cameras. It's just the, the economic expense, the recurring expense every single year. And so we're going to try to find ways that we're going to be able to lower that expense and, and be able to, you know, build more trust with the community. But at the same time, it's not only about building trust with the community. The, the community needs to build trust with the police. Because until that happens, we're going to have more and more problems. We're going to have more and more deaths, not only of officers, but just of the community at large. Well, my last question for you, Mr. Ortiz, is has your uh, union put out any statements to the, the rank and file, to the officers, uh, giving them any sort of instructions like the New York police unions did, telling the, the police not to make arrests unless they had to, to only go in pairs, etc. Or has uh, has that kind of measure been requested by the, the Miami police unions? That measure has not been requested here. What we, what we have requested is that law enforcement officers never cancel their backup. And pretty much every call that law enforcement goes to, it's two cops. But a lot of times, because there's calls holding, and because we're so short-handed, officers will take the extra risk and go by themselves. 
so we're telling officers not to do that. But, you know, we're getting to a point that if we keep on getting ambushed like it's happening across our nation, you know, you, you damn well know I'm going to go out and tell people to stop making arrests, to stop, you know, writing citations and just answer calls for service because if there's no, there's no respect for the police, you know, at the end of the day, we got to get home too. We have families. Well, and are, so we are don't unions allowed to that. give those kind of directives to officers, or don't those directives have to come from the brass, from the, the chief? You know, unfortunately, our chief and, and many in the administration, yeah, just like any police department, it's very political. I know what I can say. I know what I can do. And I have enough of a following, and we have enough of a brotherhood here within the Fraternal Order of Police that if I tell them to stop making arrests unless it's a felony, they'll do it. They will do it. Wow. Well, Mr. Ortiz, I won't take up any more of your time. Thank you very much for going on the air with us on the Only thank Miami Show. Thank you very show. much, and thank you for your support. And, you know, we hope and pray that we can establish dialogue, not only with the minority community, but the community at large, in order to improve, you know, our relationship. It's very important to me. Okay, well, maybe we'll have to have you in the studio sometime in 2015. Okay, thank you, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Take care. All right. Taylor? Okay, I think uh, we lost Taylor there, but Carlos, can I get your instant reaction? I was unable to hear what oh. he said. Okay, we're going to have to get your reaction in the next podcast. But uh, I can imagine what he said. He probably said the same thing he always says. And safety of the officers, they all want public safety. And am I correct? Oh, he said quite a few things, including that, that he could order the officers of the FOP to only arrest felonies. It, it was, well, I, ho I hope he does. That would be great for everybody. Really? Well, let's just focus on crimes that have that were their victims. Let's okay. leave the victimless crimes alone. I, that's I'm fully in agreement with that. So, tell our audience a little bit about how they can find out more about photographyisnotacrime.com. Well, for starters, they can go on photographyisnotacrime.com. That's a good start. Uh, and how about on Facebook and Twitter? And, or they can follow us on the Facebook page, Photography Is Not a Crime. Right, Twitter is Pinac News at Pinac News. We are on Google as well, Google Plus. Yeah, photography is not a crime. Or you can send me a friend request on Facebook at Carlos Miller. Just look for Carlos Miller in Miami. All righty. Well, Carlos, thank you very much for joining us on the show tonight. And uh, I want to thank Taylor Hardy and I want to thank uh, Javier Ortiz for giving us an interview. Uh, uh, Taylor, we got you back on the phone for a second there. Yeah, if I chime in real quick, uh, just to wrap up on this event. The event, you know, this is a very uh, a touching event. Uh, You've seen officers from NYPD, officers who are crying just out of, I'm not sure if it's stress or it's just sadness or sorrow, but this is a very somber event. And, you know, I I, I, I want to say on behalf of Phoenix that we, we all respect police officers and the job they do out there. I think all of us do. I mean, we want, we want accountability. I think that's the one thing that everybody wants the most. Mm -hmm. Right. Carlos, right. can you hear me there? Yeah, yes, we all want accountability, and it, it looks like they just want the police want us to take their word for it that they they can be held accountable. And, and but what we've seen over the last few years is we can't, we can't. It's not just Miami PD; it's every police department, whether it's rural or big city police department. We ask them, we want them to wear body cams. We want to have these this footage to be accessible to the public. That's all we want. All right. Well. We're going to take a really short break, and we'll be right back. This is the Only in Miami show.
Welcome back. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. And you can find us online at www.onlyinmiamishow.com, podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more. Check it out at www.onlyinmiamishow.com. Well, tonight we're taking a look back at some of our favorite guests, favorite topics, and favorite moments of 2014. And I'd like to thank the very, very, very many guests who have made the trek down to Little Havana to be on the show. And just to name a few of them that we're going to listen to tonight, um, Lady Casa, uh, Steve Reutstein of Palo, Peter Zaluski of Condo Vultures, Peter Ehrlich of Scenic Miami, Billy Corbin of Cocaine Cowboys and The U. Um, we also are going to listen to uh, Juan Cuba, uh, Congressman Joe Garcia, um, and a few more uh, friends, guests. We're going to take a listen to some of the stuff from Venezuela SOS, uh, which was a special report we did in February. Um, I mean, it's been a really crazy year. We've produced a live or brand new uh, show, either live or brand new, Every single Monday night from 7 to 9 p.m. on the Only in Miami show, right here on 880 The Biz, ever since December 2nd of 2013. And we take great pride in presenting new and interesting material every single week. Um, one of our favorite guests, and he was the second guest in 2014. Uh, he, he kvetched at me. Why wasn't he on sooner? Um, but we, we brought him on. And we gave him his own cameo, and he nailed it. So here's a public service announcement from Only in Miami show guest, Billy Corbin. Well, it's loading. <laughs> the clip will load in a second, I swear. <laughs> we line this thing up. We really do. <laughs> um Billy is uh he actually was just on the show last week. He he directed the U Part Two, uh, which is a sequel to Smash Hit. And let's take a listen. This 
is the Only in Miami show. We'd like to bring you a special public service announcement from Raconteur. Was was that an Afro-Beta Uncle Luke mashup? I don't think I've ever heard that before. That's right. That is some Only in Miami stuff right there. Well, that's 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 the new Miami base and the old Miami (laughs) base. So where's this public service announcement? No, really, this is a late... Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa present for everybody. Not only those listening, but this is one of those things that, that you could – it's a gift that keeps on giving. It, it, you could pay this forward. It's a gift really not only for those who are listening but everybody around them in perpetuity, forever. Anyone you surround yourself with because it is the gift of knowledge. Now, I presume those of you who aren't streaming this live, most of the listeners are driving in their cars right now, presumably. Absolutely. A lot so, of our studio audience is in traffic. So I – I would just like to point out, now keep your eyes on the road, but move your left hand down behind your steering wheel, and there you'll find a lever that if you move it downward into a locked position, you'll notice a left arrow illuminate on your dashboard. It will blink, in fact, and simultaneous to that, you might be unaware of this, there is a a left arrow, uh, left light, I should say, on the back bumper of your car that is also illuminating simultaneous to that. Now, if you pop that lever back up, into his lock position in the center, you'll notice it goes off. Pop that lever up one more time and lock it in the up position. You'll notice now a right arrow is illuminating on your dashboard. And simultaneous to that, in fact, on the back bumper, there is a light that is blinking as well. Behold, Miami, I give you the turn signal. I know there are a lot of wide <laughs> eyes and, and slack jaws out there. It's like, it's like the cavemen discovering fire. But this, is, this turn signal is also what's known as an indicator. And that is because it is intended to indicate to the drivers around you before you move your vehicle where you're going to move it. Okay? I, I know I'm dropping knowledge now. I know Grant is, is, is bowled over right now. He had no idea this even existed before. And, and, and here's the thing. It's not just courtesy. It's also safety. And, in fact, it is the law. Believe me, if car manufacturers could save one penny when they're building cars by dropping this function – Dropping this from the, from the manufacturing bill, they would do it, but they can't because it's the law. So I, I, I say to you, use this. Drive safe. Be courteous. Use your turn signal prior to moving your vehicle from lane to lane or even turning your car. And, and because we're sharing these roads together, it'll make for a much safer and less aggravating experience because it's not my Emmy or your Emmy. It is our Emmy. I'm Billy Corbin, and I approve this message. That's been a special public service announcement from Tour. Yeah, Billy is a great guest. I mean, it's been fun having him on the show. Uh, I think he's been on at least, I know he's been on three shows, but I think maybe he's been on four programs total, making him our most frequent guest. But uh, he's only made it into the studio that one time, so we're going to have to bring him back into the studio sometime in the spring of 2015, when he's not so busy making some incredible movie. Uh, he's going to be making some TV, I hear, and they're calling it uh, what the, the drug files or the unnamed uh, co- cocaine, you know, th- there's a TV show. I mean, he's working with, like, TNT on making a TV show. So it's, it's pretty cool stuff. And, and that's one of the reasons why we have him only in Miami, because we like to get guests that are local and that have something to say. And uh, we're going to play another clip. This this one's about the NoWalmartInMidtown.com fight. And this is with Peter Ehrlich, another one of our most frequent guests. He's been on the program a few times also. So let's take now, a listen. I'd like to officially announce on the Only in Miami show first that we have our group of petitioners has in fact filed 
an appeal of the City of Miami Commission's decision to permit a Walmart in Midtown against the written word of the code. And that this appeal, drafted by Paul Savage of the Savage Law Firm in Coral Gables, I believe will be sufficient to end the fight against Walmart. Now, Peter, tell me a little bit about why you've opposed Walmart's expansion into Midtown Miami. Um, Grant, thank you very much for asking. In, in fact, it was this issue that brought the two of us together. I went to a public meeting at the, I think, Dorothy Quintana Community Center in Wynwood, and I, I heard you speak. And you were speaking extremely eloquently and extremely factually in opposition um, to the proposed Super Walmart in Midtown. And uh, we met at the end of that meeting. That's but, correct. Um, but the, the reason that I'm opposed, um, and, and many other people are opposed to it, is that we don't think it's good planning. We think the proposed Super Walmart, which is over 200,000 square feet, is simply too large, is too large for that small site. In addition, uh, to be more specific, we feel that Walmart's application to the city of Miami violates many of the rules and regulations in the Midtown Master Plan, which all the other property owners in the Midtown area of the 50, 55 acres of Midtown, they all honor and obey the Midtown Master Plan, except Walmart. So <clears throat> go over for the listening audience a few of the areas that are not compliant like uh, there's these there's a few main important issues let's let's outline a couple of them they are it's a little dry um, and they're very technical just just name them like a few of them well one of them is the the, the midtown master plan requires buildings to be in a in a in a uniform style on each block um, they don't want a mishmash of styles um, uh, another one is like the, the street plan? Uh, they they want the streets and avenues to be very pedestrian-friendly, and that includes narrow streets, uh, lots of trees, uh, bulb outs, landscaping, wide sidewalks. And then the last, uh, another major issue is uh, the mixed-use elements. Now, uh, we've got Jacob Pfeffer on the phone. Jacob, are you there? Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening, Jacob. Jacob is one of the official appellants because he's an actual owner and resident inside of the Midtown District uh, within a very short walking distance of the proposed plan. Jacob, yep. can you tell the audience a little bit about why you oppose Walmart? Well, it's funny because uh, early in the process, when I first read, uh, I don't remember where it was, that Walmart was planning on entering Midtown Miami, I, uh, my knee-jerk reaction was just that I, I have philosophical issues with Walmart as, as the entity that Walmart is. Uh, but early on in the process, we were given very strict instructions by the powers that be in the city that our only argument that would hold any weight with the city would be technical, zoning, ordinance-type issues, not Walmart is evil. And, and we all kind of buckled down. We said, okay, well, we get it. We've got to play within these rules, and that's what we've been going after. And along the way, we've discovered that Walmart has just been absolutely ignoring many critical elements of the code that have made Midtown Miami what it is today and what it's capable of being in the future. So as a resident, I'm concerned that everything that I love about my area is going to be ruined with the precedent of this Walmart. Now, did Walmart ever tell anybody 
how much traffic their store with almost 600 parking spaces would actually draw to the site, being open 24-7, 365? No, and, and that's one of the major issues and one of the reasons why they are taking the tactic that they've taken by going through the, uh, the, the permit process that they're going through with the city. They, they have not had to produce a traffic study. We have asked for it numerous times. As a matter of fact, uh, in a Freedom of Information Act, we've uh, got you know gigs upon gigs of emails from the city, and there's actually a bunch of emails where people are bringing within their own city departments where there's questions about the traffic study, but no one ever actually produces a traffic study. Today. And we're back live. This is the only in Miami show. Now, what he was talking about in that clip, what Jacob was talking about is actually still a point of contention in the no Walmart and Midtown.com fight. And only recently, the city actually provided a traffic study to the, the folks, including myself, who have been fighting against Walmart. And it turns out it was from 2007, and it really doesn't tell you what's going on. And it, it's based on an old proposal that was thrown out. I'm sorry, 2011. 2011, my bad. But it was, it was based on something that was thrown out quite a while ago, and uh, and it's just never going to be used. It's it's pretty shameful that they they really skipped that part of the process and tried to move straight into building without telling people what was going to happen. Um, so that's still going on, and you can check it out. Uh, NoWalmartInMidtown.com. You can find updates there, and of course you can go to Facebook.com/NoWalmartInMidtown. And if you do that, you'll find out a lot about what's going on. There's a lot of updates at facebook.com slash no Walmart in Midtown. Now, we're going to take a very short musical break, and we're going to listen to an interview with Miamian and politician. She ran for lieutenant governor on the Democratic ticket and came on the Only in Miami show, Annette Tadeo. So we'll be right back on the Only in Miami show with Annette Tadeo. This is the Only in Miami show. so much for joining us in the studio today. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. So let's start off by introducing you to the audience. Tell me a little bit about how your political career started in Miami-Dade County. My political career started in Miami-Dade County just being active in the party and really being um, uh, uh, active by participating, volunteering, uh, fundraising, and uh, 
it started with uh, what happened with Al Gore and okay. the 2000 debacle and realizing that even one vote, you know, it just really hit home about how one vote really counts. And I got much more involved after that, although I was already active and involved before that. Right. I, I found that most people have one seminal event mm -hmm. that draws them in. I was actually at that rally on South Beach at midnight. Really? Yeah. Well, you know, for me, honestly, uh, politics started in college. Um, I ran for student government secretary. And um, it was, I, I lost that election. It was not a good uh, experience. I ran for student government secretary, put posters all over the school. Now, mind you, it was University of North Alabama. Okay. And so the day of the election, the posters were uh, vandalized. And it no longer said Annette Tadeo for secretary, it said Annette Tadeo for deportation. Ooh. So at a very young age, you know, that really, um, it, was, it was not a pleasant experience, but I am... Um, happy that it happened because it really made me who I am today. It made me want to fight uh, for the rights of others, want to uh, succeed in business, which I have. Um, now so tell, that I could tell really our audience a little bit yep. about what you do yep. in your private life. Yeah, no, and that's life. how the whole idea for the business really got started. I started translating for the Tennessee Valley Authority, and that experience made me realize the importance of all of us communicating. Um, in other languages, we are in a global economy, and so my business is a translation business, and I've been very successful at it. Um, however, throughout the success, you always have your rough times, um, and I certainly know uh, what it's like to go to a bank and try to get a loan and be turned down. I also know um, that as a woman, you know, the, they would ask for my husband's information and his signature when he has nothing to do with my business. I was Pro already successful be in business before, before I married him, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> before I even met him. Oh my. So anyway, so, you know, these experiences as a, as a woman business owner, as a minority business owner, I think are something that also bring additional strength uh, and, and things that we need in Tallahassee. Just regular person trying to make it with a small business. Yeah, Tallahassee is certainly an interesting town. I lived there for a couple of years as a college student. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Tallahassee right now and for quite a long time, you know, really has been run by special interests, lobbyists, uh, big corporations are the ones uh, running the show. And we need regular people that know those struggles of meeting a payroll and and what it's like, because we, we can't afford lobbyists. We don't have anybody up there lobbying for us. So I'm proud to be a part of the People's Ticket to represent the people and not the special interests. Now, I'd like it if you tell our audience a little bit about your more recent activities in Miami-Dade County, because this is a Miami show. This is the yeah, only Yeah, only show. in Miami. <laughs> um, and, and I know that you've been very active in the party, but our audience may not know. Yeah. So yeah. tell our audience. Yeah, no, I, I, I ran for Congress in 2008 against Ileana Rose Letin, and that's really the real political, you know, all feed in kind of experience. And uh, it was, it, it was a, a very good race, very good showing, both raising money and with votes, over 100,000 votes. The first real race, to be honest with you, that Ileana had. Since she first had a since she only had one when she first got elected in a special election, um, so this and this, I think she's running unopposed this term yes, as well. Yes, exactly. I mean, she's a very strong, very well liked um, congresswoman, and it it took a lot um, to go after her sure. and uh, to have well, the guts. So, I mean, anybody who who questions my 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 ability to take on tough things. And we're back live. You've been listening to an interview with Annette Tadeo. Now, she was the head of the Miami-Dade Democratic Party 
and ran for governor this past year with Charlie Crist. They came up uh, less than 1% uh, from their goal. And, of course, she did resign her position as the party chair as part of running for office because it's tough to wear uh, both hats effectively in an election. Um, but it was very exciting to have her on the program to find out a little bit more about Annette because she's so active in the Miami-Dade community. And she's a very passionate uh, politician. She's not really a politician. She's a small business person, uh, very much like myself. Um, I'm here because I, I run a, a mortgage company called Morningside Mortgage Corporation. So it was great to relate to a candidate like that who knows my struggles because she lived them. She created her own small business in translation, and she's a Miamian, somebody that certainly everybody outside of Miami knows today. Uh, and along that vein, uh, we also had a very special guest on the program uh, in July discussing a, a proposed MLS stadium, a major league soccer stadium, that they wanted to put into downtown Miami. Uh, and, and it was uh, the, the MLS folks, uh, M Beckham United, whatever you want to uh, call them, uh, wanted to put that stadium into the Miami waterfront where a brand new park, the museum park, was just open to the public, maybe like two weeks after we spoke to Mayor uh, Regalado. So I'd like to bring up one of our clips from the uh, episode in July, it was Ju uh, June, excuse me, June 2nd, with Mayor Regalado and Dahlia Lagoa, who's uh, chairman of the Downtown Waterfront Coalition. She's also a, a condo president of, I believe, Marina Blue or 900 Biscayne Condo. There's two condos down there across the street from the park. She's also in the episode with us, as well as uh, Brian Corey from the Southern Legion. So let's take a listen to that episode right now. Uh, sports, uh, but it, in, in many ways, concerts and, and the old times that it was. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad that there is a neighbor's alliance in downtown Miami. Because it wasn't there uh, when the whole discussion about the future of Bicentennial Park uh, was done and when two museums uh, were built. Uh, of course, uh, by the way, beautiful uh, museums, a spectacular uh, museum, but uh, tall buildings that block the view of uh, the waterfront. And, uh, and, and, you know, the city is uh, working on, on Museum Park. Uh, we don't have uh, the money that will be needed to make it a Millennium Park or Central Park, uh, but it's going to be a very decent, good park. One thing that I'm glad that there is a, uh, an alliance of uh, residents in downtown, that, that whether or not the stadium uh, is there in the future, whether or not the city does a deal, whether or not the voters of Miami approve or disapprove, uh, they should fight for Parcel B. Parcel B was always intended to be a park, and that's the county's responsibility. Well, uh, now that Museum Park is done, there will be a linear walkway that takes you right to Parcel B, so you can walk right there. Mm -hmm. But when you get to Parcel B, what's going to happen, Grant? Well, right now, there's not much. <laughs> yeah, I don't exactly. think you're allowed to even exactly. go there. Exactly. You're not allowed to, to go into. So, my, my point is that in 1997, when the city of Miami sold, the uh, 
FEC uh, property to the county for uh, $38 million. Parcel B was, was part of, dedicated, it to, was be dedicated space, to be a public park open space built by the Heat Organizations and Miami Dade County. It's been how many years? 1997. Well, a lot of years. Mm. Uh, Quite a few and, years. And nothing has happened. So that's why I'm happy uh, that if the stadium is not in the slip, then the alliance will go to the county and say, and that is still an ongoing issue. Uh, nothing has been done in Parcel B yet, although the county wants to put a, another Cuban exile museum there. I think that's going to make two or three if they actually were to follow through with that plan. So not sure that there's going to be another Cuban exile museum there, but it's still a hot-button issue in Miami and something that's certainly going to be followed in 2015. Uh, another guest that we had who spends a lot of time in the city of Miami but travels all over the country um, as part of a very special uh, scene, the EDM scene, and she spends a lot of time in downtown Miami. Her name is Lady Casa, and she founded the Plur Warriors. Uh, it's, it's a lifestyle group, and you can check them out at www.plurwarriors.com. She came on the program to discuss uh, genetically modified organisms finding their way into consumer food supplies. And interestingly enough, uh, Lady Casa actually has a lot of college education, and she's extremely well-spoken. She's a wonderful lady. She's great to have in the studio. I hope she comes back in 2015. So let's take a listen to that show. We're here with Lady Casa. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you so much for having me. So tell our audience... A little bit about your education and how it led you into the fight for GMO awareness. Um, I learned about GMOs about two years ago through a documentary called Russian Roulette. Um, and Genetic was... Roulette by oh, sorry. Jeffrey M. Smith. Sorry. Yeah. Genetic Roulette, yes. It, it is kind of like Russian yeah. Roulette. I agree. No, I mean, it's it was such an interesting title for the documentary because... You know, it shows that, you know, I'm 25 years old. I've been exposed to GMOs my entire life. My mom is 53. She's been exposed for, you know, the 20 or so years that it's been part of the agriculture. And um, it's going to affect generations and the, our DNA in a different way. So perhaps another 25-year-old has different genes than I do, and they may never be affected. And you know, somebody else may end up with stomach problems. Somebody else may end up with cancer. So, you know, there, there are these uh, genetically modified organisms in the agriculture that are going to affect different generations and different um, individuals in ways where, um, you know, it's, it's just uh, it's unfair that there has to be this uh, um, modified food in the agriculture that you're playing, you know, genetic roulette, you know. Well, you've got medical education, right? Tell yes. our audience a little bit about that. Um, I graduated from Emory University uh, with pre-med, and I started my master's in medical science to become a physician assistant uh, three weeks after graduating from Emory. I completed uh, 17 months of a 27-month program, and uh, soon after I started my rotations, I felt that um, you know a career in medicine, in Western medicine, wasn't for me. Um, I just... Uh, it didn't resonate with me. I wasn't happy, and I felt that I could. I wasn't. Um, I couldn't really be the type of healer that I wanted to be through the route of Western medicine. And uh, you know, just seeing my mom, who works in Western medicine, you know, she. And there's a lot more you can listen to online from that that episode. 
you can check it out at www.onlyinmiamishow.com. That was actually our most played single full-length podcast this year. Um, so if you want to hear from Lady Casa, if you want to learn more about GMOs as well, we also had Trish Honeycutt uh, from the Millions Against Monsanto March uh, on that same episode, and it's a fantastic, fantastic episode. I definitely, definitely recommend you check it out. And if I say it more than once, you have to do it. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> um, our, our next clip that I'm going to play uh, actually comes from Miami Boheme. And Miami Boheme is a really, really awesome movie. It was debuted on PBS in 2014, produced by Steve Reutstein and directed by Joe Cardona as well as Ralph uh, Sanchez. But, uh, Ralph Jones, but uh, Ralph Sanchez. But Joe Cardona directed it. Uh, Steve Reutstein was the executive producer along with Denise Galvez. And uh, they, I mean, I was just thrilled that they, they made a movie about my friends, uh, many of whom are musicians. And I always joked around that since they made a movie about all of my friends, they kind of had to throw me into it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we're going to take a short listen to this clip where we speak with Joe Cardona, the Emmy-winning director of Miami Boheme. What inspires all of us who have been following these bands for years now, it's a unique sound that, that uh, has, has, was bred here in Miami. It's a mixture of all our cultures, and I think it's a true Miami art form. Absolutely, I agree. So you're a fan. I am a fan, and really it's born from that. It's born from many years of going out to see, you know, Palo Suenalo, um, Spam, obviously. Um, and it's that cool hybrid sound that I think, I think brings people together in this community. I think so, too. So tell me this. Which group got you in? Which, which group did you kind of hang out with first or, see, you know, I, get I into the first? Group, the first group uh, was Spam, obviously. Yeah. Um, back way into the uh, into the late '90s, um, maybe early 2000s. So you, you attended the Fuacata event. I was a Fuacata person, and in fact, in the film, there's footage that I shot in Fuacata in 2002. Um, so I was a longtime fan of theirs, and then along the way, obviously, Palo and Suenalo were bands that that uh, you know caught my attention. And it's kind of mushroomed, and I think it's a it's a unique hybrid sound. It's a unique jam band kind of sound, with maybe a little Latin twist. Um, I think a big Latin conga. twist, especially yeah, big the, big the Latin twist. The, the congas, um, the horns, um, a lot of the rhythms. Uh, you know, it, it, a lot of them were actually very influenced by fish. If you yeah. can imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so I just gotta say, I, I just gotta say, my first group that I listened to of the five that are in this film is is Swenelo. but when i was listening to them i was also playing because i happened to be friends with some of those guys from the original group and right. before there was a Swenelo, there was just a big jam at a friend's house uh, right. in little havana monkey village the monkey village and and that's where it all kind of started for me anyway um so yeah, did well, you you know that, that's in the film too by yeah the way. so did you actually go to the monkey village I visited the Monkey Village on once, maybe two, two occasions, um, and I thought it was a cool scene. I mean, it was... Uh, and kind of you guys can check out MiamiBoheme.com for more information about the movie. Uh, Miami Boheme was just honored with a Suncoast Emmy Award. Uh, Suncoast is, I think, uh, all of South Florida. They've been giving out the Suncoast Emmys for 38 years, 
And the the Miami Boheme movie is nominated for a Emmy Emmy, I believe, as well. In addition, Steve Reutstein, who we did not hear on the clip, but uh, has been on a couple of episodes with us, uh, Steve and his group Gopalo were nominated for a Latin Emmy, and they're part of our permanent soundtrack. Uh, we play Tabaco y Ron by them. We play um, one other song, Dale Palo, and we actually have a live recording that we made just for the show. Uh, thank you, Steve, for, for being part of our supporting cast, because really the, the music that we play during our breaks is very special to us. We pick all of that, and it's mostly local. And uh, you can check that out at Miami Boheme. Dot com. I'm going to play one last clip for this hour before we hit the sports hour in the Drastic Fanatic. Uh, and that is actually during, right before LeBron announced the decision number two. We brought Surya Fernandez, the editor of Hot Hot Hoops, onto the program. And it was a pretty amazing chat. Our, our chat call got picked up by the Bleacher Report. And... We were getting calls from all over the, the country and actually all over the world. We got a call from uh, the West Bank of Israel, Louisiana, New Jersey, all over Florida. So let's take a real short listen. Hello. Hello, caller. Yes, this is uh, Surya Fernandez. Hey, Surya. Thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, no problem. So Surya is with Hot Hot Hoops. You can check them out at www.hothothoops.com. You guys are with, uh, it's not uh, Bleacher, it's Bleacher Report, right? Or is it? SB Nation. SB Nation, SB Nation. So tell me a little bit about what you think these signings mean. We got Granger and, and the Heat got uh, Josh McRoberts. How does this fit into the big picture? I think Raleigh had to do something, and I think those are safe signings. I think it's, you know, they're not going to spend too much out of the gate like some other teams did. Apparently, still has to be mindful, obviously, of, of other players that he'd like to sign. Um, I, at first, I was like, what, um, about that Danny Granger signing? I was uh, kind of cringing a little bit, but I saw the numbers, and you know, for the for the price tag, it's you know, it kind of goes along that line yeah. of thinking. Of Low risk, high reward. The Richard Lewis uh, type of signing, like somebody. That and that Danny Granger signing did pay off kind of he hit some of the game winning shots this past week against LeBron and the Cleveland Cavaliers on Christmas Day um, and that's all the time we have but thanks for joining us on the Only in Miami show to take a look back at 2014 and a great live report from Taylor Hardy and Carlos Miller at photographyisnotacrime.com uh, they brought Pinac News live onto the radio with us and Javier Ortiz thank you so much for coming on the show he's uh, the head of the Fraternal Order of Police of Miami We'll be right back at the 8 o'clock hour with the Drastic Fanatic, only in Miami. Oh, welcome back. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter, at Grant Stern, and you can find everything about the show at www.onlyinmiamishow.com iTunes, SoundCloud, podcasts, and a whole lot more. Check it out online at www.onlyinmiamishow.com. Well, it's time for Only in Miami Sports with the Drastic Fanatic. Happy Black Monday. Happy Black Monday. Wish you made it down here a little earlier, buddy. It's Black Monday on the road, too, huh? It's Black Monday everywhere, man. We're being invaded by the walkers here, man. All these New Yorkers in town. Yeah, they're in, 
taking up all my parking spots and everything. Well, I'll tell you what. We got our first phone call, but I'm going to give out the number. We're taking your calls, your comments, your questions, your concerns, your jokes. 305-541-2350. That's 305-541-2350. Give the Drastic Fanatic a call and ask him about your New York Jets. And we got a caller on the line already. Caller, name and city. Hey. Oh, Mr. Firestoner, how are (laughs) you? Good, good, good. So, did you enjoy the game yesterday? I had a great time. About you? Drastic. For if you didn't know, I took Firestoner to the game since you couldn't make it there, bud. Right. Well, I wish I was there with you to give you a few rubbins. You know. Did you Did you miss seeing Lamar Miller run for ninety-seven yards? You know what I did miss? What was watching the only quarterback in the NFL all season have a perfect quarterback rating? Yeah, Geno Smith. You should bring him back. How about that? Just try throwing it a little bit, Rex. It'll work. <laughs> he, he looked like Joe Montana yesterday, didn't he? <laughs> he sure did. Broadway Actually, Gino, baby. You um, know what? He made me think of one thing yesterday. Okay, o- one thing and and one thing only. Just play it. Come on. You, you give me some love. And welcome to the 2014 NFL Draft. Thank you to NFL fans around the world. For- <laughs> That's what I was thinking about at the end of the game last night. Last year's draft? <laughs> yeah, and this year's draft, too. <laughs> what, you guys are stuck with the 16th or 18th? What pick are you guys just Well, year? if we had won uh, that game, we would have gotten the 19th pick or worse. Because Buffalo is picking 19, and they were 9-7. and seven. Care to guess what, uh, what position the Dolphins are picking? Anybody? 15? Nope, better. 10. Fourteenth, fourteenth. There you go. Yeah, yeah, no. So, so that loss was worth five draft positions to the Dolphins. So there you go. Yeah, well, thank you. You're welcome. What are we going to do with it, though? Get somebody oh, yeah. on the offensive well, line, I suppose. Back in the third, baby. So, so the Jets ha- could have picked third. They could have picked number one overall if they had really worked at losing to the Titans. Yeah, that belongs to Tampa. Tampa won. Tampa ran away with that title. That's going to be interesting for them. They're going to be under a lot of pressure to bring in uh, a local product there, Jameis Winston. Well, at number six, who do the Jets obviously? Ha- uh, who do the Jets have their eyes on? I mean, number six is a pretty. Um, they, the the Jets have been here before. The last time they picked Vernon Golston. Ouch. <laughs> Firestone. Who who are the Jets going to pick at six? Uh, I mean, can we talk a little bit more about how bad the Dolphins looked yesterday? (laughs) (laughs) We're not at the draft episode just yet. We're not at the draft episode yet. Now, for for those in our listening audience who may not be familiar, Vernon Golston was a uh, a linebacker who was drafted number six overall by the New York Jets in 2008, right before Rex Ryan arrived. And uh, and today, you guys got a, a really big Black Monday gift, kind of like the Dolphins gave us last year. Uh, tell me a little bit about what it means getting rid of both Idzik and Rex Ryan. I'll start with you, Firestoner. Well, I mean, I think uh, the consensus is that we everyone's happy to get rid of Idzik and that he was not the right person in the first place. But um, I don't think you're going to find a single Jet fan that's happy with uh, Rex being run out of town. What about you, Drastic? I agree. I mean, it's a kind of set up Rex to fail, honestly. And, you know, giving him a, uh, you know, Rex's defense is based around cornerbacks. 
And it took, almost looked like purposely went out of his way to make sure he didn't have a cornerback this year. <laughs> so, <laughs> but you know, I mean, but, I'm but why? Miss I'll be honest with you. I'm going to miss him. But we'll see who they bring in to make me forget him quickly, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why did why did the Jets save twenty million dollars this year? They they banked twenty million dollars. It took a capologist, and he thought he was saving his own money. I guess mm. that's pretty he's odd. A, he's not a player personnel guy, and that's, yeah, that's what happens. That's what we have to go after that. now. That's what happens when you bring in a financial guy instead of a personnel guy. Oh man, that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. So they they've hired a. Charlie Casserly and Ron Wolf to be the uh, search committee. Who do you think the Jets wind up with as far as head coaches? It's not going to be Harbaugh. Uh, I'd, I'd like to see them go after the defensive coordinator of the Seattle Seahawks. Mm-hmm. But I thought offense is oh, the big problem. Zach Quinn, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Coach, coach Quinn was actually a uh, defensive line coach at Hofstra University when I was there. Oh, so so it, as long as there's a Hofster link, the Jets will well, go he, for it. He has those Long Island roots, you know. <laughs> those Long Island roots. Switching it up and going offense at this point. I'd like to see him bring someone in that could develop a quarterback. Well, I I heard a rumor that Bill Lazor was being uh, considered for the job. Cricket. Lazor? I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. I was also hearing that maybe um, they're going after the guys from the Patriots, Josh McDaniel, and uh, also the assistant player personnel guy there. Well, uh, you know, Bill Lazor is the the offensive coordinator for the Dolphins this year. Yeah, well, that's okay. We don't need him. <laughs> yes, sir. I mean, there is some history there. The, uh, <laughs> now, let's talk about some other openings in the NFL because there's there's a plenty now. Uh, Mike Smith was fired by the Falcons. They retained the general manager. Uh, any thoughts? Well, they're saying Rex might be a good fit there if he decides to get back into coaching. You know, like yeah. the offense, they got plenty of talent on on offense. Maybe they just need someone in to help orchestrate the D there. Now, I saw yesterday giving up 38 points to Carolina. It was not much D in Atlanta yesterday. No, you can spell like Miami. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, well, I was just saying that it looked like the defense in Miami yesterday it was uh, kind of similar. Yeah, I think they were playing with purpose. <laughs> I like to yeah, at least. You can't honestly say that a team tried to lose a football game. They didn't try to lose a football game. They looked terrible because they were the worst team yesterday. I, I agree with you, but as a Dolphins fan, I reserve the right to claim victory and defeat because sometimes defeat is a victory in and of itself when you're not going to the playoffs and your team decides uh, not to ruin their draft order. Oh, man. Spoken like a true Dolphins fan. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You now wait a second. Wait a second. You do know what this means, right? You, you, th- this means that you guys are drafting sixth instead of maybe third or first. What? No, we never had a chance to go first. I mean, this could happen again. I'm just, I'm just playing see, history. I don't see him going for it. I think we're going uh, wide receiver. I think we learned our lesson at this point. <laughs> really? I mean, listen, a wide receiver at six is not a sure thing either. Well, no one at six is a sure thing. That's why it's the draft, you know? Well, that's why it's number six, though. I mean, the number one guy is usually the sure thing. But there is no sure thing. Neither of those quarterbacks this year are a sure thing. Yeah, if you want to so. see sure things, uh, let's talk to Jadavian Clowney about sure things. 
Well, I mean, the Jets had 12 draft picks this year, kept them all, drafted three wide receivers. One of them didn't even stick on the roster for I the whole season. I think they drafted five wide receivers, actually. Uh, yeah, and, and three of the wide receivers combined for zero catches. I mean, yeah. and in a deep, deep draft for wide receivers, uh, yeah, Odell right. Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Mike Evans, um, you know, you could go on. Odell Beckham Jr., remember him? You know, people are saying that he saved Tom Coughlin's job today. Um, very possible, you know. And it would probably be up to Coughlin to leave under his own accord anyway, to be honest. Tom Coughlin's Super Bowl ring saved Tom Coughlin. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, two Super Bowl rings. I agree. But you know how what's really – those, you know, how long can you cash in on those rings for? That's the question. I mean, you know what's really funny, though? Uh, both, both Firestoner and I won our, our fantasy football leagues. Uh, of course, my league was filled with Jets fans. His league was filled with Dolphins fans. Go figure. <laughs> but but the one thing it definitely had in common is that both of our opponents who lost had Odell Beckham Jr. <laughs> really? He, got... <laughs> he was potent, man. <laughs> in a fantasy he league. He really is. He's a special player in real life and in fantasy. The he... only reason that I won was because uh, Andrew Luck decided to have the worst game of his pro football career. There you go. I won against Luck in the Super Bowl, too. Talk about luck. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> or, or lack thereof. For them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely a big lack thereof. I'll tell you what. We're going to take a really short break here, and we'll be right back. Uh, call in if you want to discuss sports. Dolphins, Heat, 305-541-2350. This is the Only in Miami show. Welcome back 
This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. You can find us online at www.onlyinmiamishow.com, iTunes, podcast, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more. Check it out at www.onlyinmiamishow.com. We're live with the Drastic Fanatic. Drastic, you there? Oh, I think he's here. Yay. <laughs> You made it. Congrats. Hello? Hey, oh, Mr. Firestoner, you're still here too, huh? <laughs> yes, sir. All righty. No, Drastic just joined us in studio, so I found this New York Jets fight song, and we're going to play it in uh, in honor of the, the Jets spanking <laughs> the Dolphins once again on the last game of the year. Here you go, guys, just <laughs> for you Jets fans. It's on accordion. I, I hope you like accordion, right? This is, this is a YouTube classic. Oh, is it? <laughs> this is it, right? This is right up there with the Mighty Dolphin song. <laughs> and by the way, the Jets are to interview Seahawks defensive coordinator Quinn on Saturday. Okay. There you go. There you Enough go. accordion. <laughs> I just... That's a classy theme song, though. I'd never heard that one before. Uh, actually, I haven't either, and I've had season tickets at the show for many years, so <laughs> I, mean, I can't just... really call that the, the official fight song. The thing about being a Jets fan is that they don't subject us to listening to that like they subjected me to listening to that Dolphin Super Bowl toilet bowl song about 100 times. <laughs> what are you talking about? That's honestly, a great song. There's nothing worse than a Dolphin fight song, but whatever. Uh, excuse me? Yeah. There's nothing worse than T-Pain's version of the Miami Dolphins fight song. That's actually probably better, I'll be honest with you. Really? I don't know, oh. man. That was never my my favorite, but uh if you insist, I mean Hey. There you go. Hey, let's go. Miami and the Dolphins. The they actually played this and that's why the Dolphins lost. I love the fake punt yesterday. The fake punt was just the ultimate on the way out, man. Yeah, and I know. You know. Okay, the fake know, punt the, was great. The that was great, was great. theater. Yeah, you know that what was the best thing, right? Black Monday yeah. is that you guys get to keep your coach. That's like makes me even happier, dude. Mm. You got another year of Coach Regis, dude. You know what? I was reading about the the Cowboys and their coach, Jason Garrett. He also led them to three consecutive 500 records. Okay. And, and he stuck with him, and look where, how far he's and got him now. And now they're call, twelve and four. Bro, call me when they win two playoff games. Yeah, <laughs> or Come three. On <laughs> Come on now. You want to talk about the Chicago Bulls being like the regular season champion every year and this and that? Come on. Well, I mean, hey, the uh, the Dolphins aren't any champion right, right now. There, so Jason I mean, Garrett. I would take Let's regular see. season from them any day of the week. Let's see what Romo could do here when the chips are uh, stacked. Well, uh, hopefully he's not holding the the snap. But th th yeah, <laughs> I, I think he's relieved of those duties at this uh, juncture. When you make as much money as he does, you're not holding snaps. So, what uh, what was your favorite part of the game yesterday, Firestoner? Uh, besides winning. Besides that part, the meaningless part. That's the meaningless part. What was your favorite meaningful moments of the game? I think easily, though, it's hands down the best part of the game was the fake punt. Oh yeah. How about I, Eric Decker? Two twenty. Hello. Really stupid. <laughs> It was pretty wild. I mean, what's up with that? He he didn't do it all year. No, they didn't throw it to him all year. 
So basically, once they had nothing to lose, the Jets kind of went for it, and now they could be like an Uber team, but it's too late. Look, they they rallied around Rex, you know, again with the same too little, too late kind of thing. Um, and Rex, I kind of like, Rex said today he doesn't want to come back as a defensive coordinator anyway, right? But I kind of like assimilate that to like Tebow not wanting to come back and be a fullback or a tight end or anything. It's almost like, all right, so what are you going to do? Rex isn't a good head coach. He could rally the heck out of people, and that's a beautiful thing. But in-game execution, it's just not his. Uh, it's not his niche. Well, I mean, seriously, like when you got a guy like Rex, he's funny. He's funny. He's great. He's like Tom Brady. Tom Brady. I mean, the obvious physical appearance would be the first thing. Okay. The fact that. You know, he's married to a supermodel. Hello. Hello. Yeah. I'm also married to a supermodel. <laughs> I mean, Rex doesn't like holding calls at all. Right? He hates holding calls, in fact. Oh, you're, you're, you know, this one's really better, like, on video. We could do a whole best of Rex all day. You want to hear the backs of your coach? Let's make sure we play like the fucking New York Jets. Oh, hello. And not hello. Sense a button. <laughs> Hard knocks. <laughs> Hard knocks indeed. Hard knocks indeed. You want, you want to hear the Coach Feldman uh, best okay. of clips? Okay, play. All right, everybody be quiet. You got to queue up Skeletor. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they, were, they were better than we were today. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm watching this Now, paint. wait a second. The paint uh, is drying on the wall. <laughs> Uh, look, Joe Philbin was hired for his very specific talents. Which is? He was the only guy that looked like a cross between Larry Coker and Rick Scott. Wow. So they had to hire him. Wow. <laughs> it's Dude. true, though. He kinda... Hey, I'm just happy you guys get to keep him. And another year, 8-8 eight and eight is on your horizon. And let's go Dolphins, baby. So, I mean, and, you're not upset at Rex for blowing your draft position on the way out the door. No, I'm not. No, we love Rex. You know why we love Rex? Because he ends every season with a win against the Dolphins. <laughs> Amen, brother. <laughs> and blows the draft position and screws up. Well, he didn't screw up the scheduling this year. I mean, no, he didn't no, blow Buffalo, anything. Buffalo took care of that. <laughs> How about Orton retiring the way he did? You see that? Yeah, I saw that. Kyle Orton Kyle said, I'm Orton. going into a meeting, and then vamoose. He yeah. disappeared into the night. See, Nine seasons? He probably had, he probably had some, uh, some some co-heads waiting for him. Nine seasons, man. That's that's a long time. He made time 30 in million in his career and into the sunset. See ya. Uh, yeah, I think people like to do that. Take now the money what, and run. Now right? what with Buffalo? Back to the EJ Manuel experiment? No way. What, well, I'm glad the Dolphins didn't trade for him. <laughs> Remember, that was... That was the big trade of the day. They were like, no, 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 trade for Kyle Orton. Forget this uh, Tannehill guy. Well, what do you think? You happy with what you saw out of Tannehill, right? You got to feel good about that at least, right? Okay, As look. a Dolphin fan. So uh, this year he showed market improvement. And, and sure. on a season basis, he threw for a lot of touchdowns, not a lot of picks. Mm -hmm. uh, he improved his completion percentage. And, and he scratched the surface on the deep ball. He didn't make it. He but. threw for over 4,000. Okay, yeah. so wait. I have the best Ryan Tannehill Trivia question in the history of trivia questions. You ready for this? Okay, go for it. How many 300-yard games has he thrown for in his career? 300-yard games. I'm going to guess... Uh... Well, he threw for one against the Vikings on the 21st. Uh, he threw for one against the Patriots on the 14th. 
without looking it up. I think that's uh, the tr- that's the point of the trivia question. Yeah, the, those okay, those two. Yeah, there. Thank you. <laughs> hey, there you go. He's got two. <laughs> but that's but that's not yeah. what they've asked him to do. He's won. But he threw so for four thousand okay. yards. He threw for four thousand yards this year. First okay, time so, that's been done since Dan Marino. So for the for the season, Tanny finished with a sixty six percent point four percent completion percentage, uh, four thousand forty five yards, twenty seven touchdowns. 12 interceptions, a quarterback rating of 92.8. So what what happened? What did it all go wrong, Dolphin fans? What do you mean Coaching. go wrong? That's that's Coaching? a 15% improvement from last year and a 15% improvement from the and year before. And a 0% before. improvement in the record. Coaching. Uh, coaching. Uh, yeah, well, there you go. And offensive line injuries that you just couldn't plug the holes from eventually. No, look, the O-line was a thousand times better this year, and yeah. that's the reason scheme, why Tannehill's scheme. He offensive scheme, coordinator. Yeah. yeah, but what happened defensively then? He got it, sacked it five times yesterday in the fourth quarter. Yeah, uh, because... Yeah, Rex let the dogs lose every time. Rex's last game is coming with the kitchen. He let the dogs lose. Come on, man. He let the dogs lose. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's just like they had nothing left to lose. Rex had nothing left to lose. He knew it. He cleared out his locker. He was ready to go. He's like, look, I'm going to take your draft position with me. (laughs) You stop with that whole draft position (laughs) thing already, dude. (laughs) But seriously, I mean, I thought the Jets were going to draft a quarterback. It's like in fantasy, right? If you're number one, you took McCoy, two, Peterson. They all turn out to be busts anyway. The guy who's sitting in six is the guy winning your league. Yeah, but mm. when it comes to quarterbacks, the difference between one and three, but look, those Andrew guys Luck are versus RG3, which that, would you rather have? Yeah, but there is no Andrew Luck in this draft. Neither of those guys are Andrew Luck. Really? Yeah. Uh, uh, Mr. Firestoner, commentary, I thought you, you wanted that quarterback from Oregon. Mariota? Mariota. Look, you know, there's a difference to wanting something when all you have is crap and actually wanting something. Uh, do I want Marcus Mariota? No. Um, do I like what Geno Smith did this season? No, I don't. But I don't know that you give somebody two years and you tell them that it's over at that point. You give them no tools during those two years and tell them that, they, that they're awful. I don't know. I think we still need to develop Geno a little bit more. I, but, I mean, uh, you can say the same thing about Rex Ryan, and he's out. Well, no, Rex had four bad seasons. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, so Gino for the year had a 77.5 quarterback rating, although he did manage a perfect rating <laughs> on Sunday. Uh, he threw for 2,525 yards uh, because he was benched for one, two, he was benched for a couple of games, and he had 13 interceptions and 13 uh, turn uh, touchdowns. Yeah, he's a bad quarterback, Grant. He's not a good quarterback. But he also did not have the tools that you need to – Right, so who do the Jets turn to? Chris Sims? But that's why, no, no, I no, can't tell no, from no. yesterday. Yeah, exactly. He shows you enough just to get you all, uh, you know, all moist over here, and then he just dries you out. <laughs> I don't know about the drying out part there. You'll have to explain <laughs> that when we go to break. Yeah, off the record. Gino Smith is like a case of blue balls. <laughs> <laughs> Smith. Well, that's a problem. Like, you almost wish he, like, stunk it out yesterday just because you'd be like, you know, and then he just give you that. Oh, maybe, maybe, yeah. uh, <laughs> maybe just get a one more receiver. Yeah, uh, just one more receiver. But that's it with the sixth pick. I'd like him to see go after a receiver. And yeah, while I'd like to see Quinn as maybe the next head coach, I really want to see someone that can develop that quarterback. So it's like, do we want another defensive guru? Like, we already have that. Like, where did that take us? You know, I want to know a guy. Do I want another rookie head coach coming in? Not, I don't think I do. But who, who's proven that's out there? That's well, Harbaugh, but he just went. To he college. went to Michigan. He's at Michigan. He's done. Yep, 
he's the ultimate Michiganer now. I think that's a great move for Harbaugh, by the way. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, he succeeded wildly with uh, Stanford. Yep. And if he can stand the cold, uh, this may be a resting place well, for him. He went to college there, so, you know. Right. He, he went to college yeah, he there. He went, he's a Bo Schembechler guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah Bo. He's a Michigan guy. Yeah. Hey, I know we've been talking a lot of trash about the Jets here, but I would be remiss not to mention one thing. Um, we need to give at least an honorable mention to Mr. Wilkerson and Mr. And, uh, Richardson. And Mr. Richardson, because they're both Pro Bowl alternates. Would yeah. be solely, solely lacking. Well, I'll tell you what. We're going to take a really short break here, and uh, we'll be back, and we're going to talk about the Miami Heat. All right. So uh, let's roll some music, and we'll be right back. Rexy, this, Rexy. this is the only in Miami show. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern, and you can find everything about the show at podcasts, iTunes, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more. Check it out online at www.onlyinmiamishow.com. And we've got Jake Hornreich on the line from Don't Hate Miami. Jake? Hey, how's it going, Grant? Great. How are you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Enjoying watching this game so far. Yeah. Granger, Granger stepping up. Granger is a good play. Really? How uh, how are the Heat doing so far here? Um, you know, I don't have the exact stats on me, but I've seen them uh, hit three threes already, and a couple nice rebounds and some steals. Uh, let me pull it up. You know, it's funny. the The last clip we played in the last hour was talking about picking up Danny Granger, and Surya Fernandez from Hotouthoops dot com said that at that cap number it was a good good deal. What do you think? Drastic. Yeah, I mean, if um. You know, for for two million bucks, I think it is right. Um, yeah, it's a it was, make good deal. I think it's a great deal. Um, you know, I think it was kind of one of those. You know, if he performs, then awesome because we're kind of giving him a chance. And then, um, you know, if not, at worst, it's only a two million dollar hit. I mean, hell, Rio's getting four. Yeah, what's well, two million dollars to to Mickey Harrison? Yeah, it's well, all it's all about his health, really. That's well, what. Yeah, if he could stay on the field, then it's a great deal. If not, then 
earned money. Well, we can't go on about Mickey and his money because, uh, you know, he did chop Miller. Uh, well, that was $40 million worth of Mike Miller. <laughs> agreed, agreed. Uh, then, yeah, Shoeless Mike, you know, as great as he was, probably wasn't worth that hit. So did, uh, did you make it to the Christmas Day game? I did not. I was actually in Pennsylvania uh, visiting my girlfriend's family. But had that one of the conditions was having to have it on the television. Okay. That's a good condition. Drastic. You saw the game, I suppose, right? So let me ask you a question. If you were if you were at the stadium, are you cheering or are you booing? You know, uh, I think maybe during the video I would have cheered, but to be honest, uh, you know, I think the process of leaving left a bad taste in my mouth, how he kind of went about it, and, you know, meeting with Riley and all that. Oh. But Isn't that ironic? <laughs> well, you know, how did he Riley get here to begin with, though? <laughs> he came here in a thousand time worse way. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, there was a clear distinction drawn between the fan bases, the franchises, the cities, everything, the difference between Ohio, Cleveland, and Miami. He went up there, it was the Hater Bowl. So, I mean, Jake, you run Don't Hate Miami. T- tell me a little bit about what you felt about the difference, because it was a big difference. And what? I'm sorry. And LeBron's reception, because overall. I would say, you know, in the beginning he got cheered and then he got booed the whole rest of the game. But not like well, there was never like an organized chant of how can we say mean things to LeBron? It never right, happened. But he did win two championships here. He didn't actually win two championships in Cleveland. He went to a couple. <laughs> yeah, well, how they booed him in Cleveland last night. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> oh, did they? Yeah. Well, yeah, the, I guess when you get blown out by the Pistons. The the Pistons, uh, they were six and twenty three going into the game, and they they blew out the Cavs by I want to say twenty seven. And tickets were going for a lot of money in that game too. I was actually talking to someone who was going to be in Cleveland who was looking at StubHub. Hmm. He said the cheapest seat in the like upper corners was going for like a buck eighty or something Whoa. like that. Whoa! Hello, in Cleveland. 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 Hey, do they have Whoa. their own monetary? Uh, Wow. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah, so I that's know. why they're booing. <laughs> that's yeah. why the owner wanted him back, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That is wild. Cleveland, baby. That oh, just makes boy. me think of the, the hastily made uh, Cleveland tourism video. <laughs> <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about? Oh, it was the Jacksonville one. <laughs> oh, no, I haven't heard the Jacksonville one. Oh, it's a gem. Yeah, but the Cleveland one is, I mean, it's it's all-time classic. I think I have to let it go. Fun times in Cleveland again. Still Cleveland. <laughs> Come on down to Cleveland town, everyone. Under construction since 1868. See our river that catches on fire. It's so polluted that all our fish have AIDS. We see the sun almost three times a year. Almost. This guy has at least two DUIs. Flats look like a Scooby-Doo ghost town. Don't slow down in East Cleveland or you'll die. Our economy's based on LeBron James. Buy a house for the price of a VCR. Our main export is crippling depression. We're so retarded that we think this is art. It could be worse, though. At least we're not Detroit. Wow. Wow. And that is a brutal picture, my friends. Wow. Oh, yeah. But he, but he wow. went, but he went, but it's home, baby. It's home. That's where. Yeah, that's right. That's where Call it what you want. Home that's is right. home. That's right. I don't know about that. Well, obviously, yeah. Some he homes are meant to be here. broken. Your boy Chris Bosch is back out there tonight. Oh, yeah, that's he's killing it. 
Yeah, he's got 12 points, I see, on 5-11 well, shooting. He's, he's well rested. That's yeah. great to hear. That is great to hear. Well, the, you know, the, the, Brown, uh, the Browns, the Cleveland Cavs were lacking not only Anderson Varejao, who's out for the season, which means uh, they're not going to play defense for the rest of the year, um, but they're also lacking Kyrie Irving. Yeah, he uh, got their shoot too. first point guard. Yeah, he got hurt at the end of the the Miami Heat game. Actually, we posted a video of that onto Heat Fan Club uh, on, on the Facebook page. It just so happened like we caught that moment. But uh, and, what do you guys Kevin think of Irving? Lo- Kevin Love got benched in the fourth quarter yesterday. Well, I mean, <laughs> Kevin Love is playing in a fog, <laughs> a personal well, fog. Hey, hey, everything. The whole season. Yeah, the whole season. Everything that everything that Chris Bosh said is coming to is coming true. What did Chris Bosh say? A couple of weeks ago, Chris Bosh said, "When it's time when you have to take a step back and you're not the man anymore, you got yeah. to go through this." And look, he's going through it. Yeah, everyone's got to check their egos out like, the door. Hey, there you go. He's well, going through it. I mean, speaking of egos being checked inside the door, uh, what do you guys think of Kyrie Irving? I'm gonna start with Jake. What What do you think of Kyrie Irving's long term future? Because it doesn't seem like he's really succeeding with these Cleveland Cavs. Well, you know, he um, he lacks that ability to pass. And, I mean, I think one of the gripes LeBron always <laughs> has is that he kind of had to be that guy over here where he was taking over some of those point guard duties. So, going over to Cleveland, you know, he probably hoped that Kyrie would, uh, you know, change his game a little bit now that, you know, he's got some other scoring options and he's just not the main guy. But I think that transition's just been a little bit harder for him than I guess maybe everybody expected. Apparently so. Oh yeah. Drastic. What do you think about this shoot first point guard? I said a couple of weeks ago I thought it would have been in uh Cleveland's best interest if they could have worked a deal out doing Kyrie Irving for Rondo, but obviously that's not gonna happen anymore. Too late. Too late yeah. for that show. But and, I mean uh, do you, do you guys think that they go for a Rondo for Irving trade? Anybody? Not anymore. Not, yeah, not well, obviously now. that's uh, not anymore. But I mean, like three but weeks that type ago. Of, that type of deal. I mean, they they need a true floor general point guard. Kyrie Irving is is more of a two guard oh. than he truly is a point guard. Granger with another three. That's five for five. Woo! Hmm. I guess he heard the critics and doesn't like them. Welcome to the Granger zone. <laughs> the Granger <laughs> zone. <laughs> I like that, one. that could go viral. Can I get some trademarking on that? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, he he played really well at the end of the By the time uh, we print the t-shirts, he'll be on the bench again, though. Oh, geez. Wow. <laughs> well, you, listen, you're leaving this studio straight to the t-shirt shop, okay? Yeah. yeah. I'm going straight to China, baby. There you go. Straight to China. I'm going to start digging. Ten for one dollar. Well, I, I read a great article. Uh, it was written by CBS Sports, and, and basically what they referred to was, like, here's LeBron James. And he had more close personal handshakes and hugs with the guys on the other team on Christmas Day. Our yeah, team. He was the there, with there for four years and with these then, guys for four weeks. Then with the strangers and that we, he plays basketball yeah, every night with. And we won rings together. So. Yeah. yeah, but but still, I mean. Photo bombs. Come on, yeah, man. Remember yeah. the good times? They had fun. He's got two of those guys yeah. on the bench with him. And he's got three Heat player, other Heat players with him. Sean Marion, uh, Mike Miller, and, and Jaime Honus. Was Marion played with him though in Miami? No, they didn't play nah, together. No, they didn't play together. Yeah. Marion was part of the chain of guys that that Riley traded around to clear the cap space. For Shaq, he was part of the Shaq trade. Yes, he yeah. was the he was the centerpiece of the Shaq trade from Phoenix, right? Yes, 
As a Heat fan, every time you say Shaq trade, you have to smile really broadly. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I don't know. Great. I was I don't... out there when they brought the 18-wheeler out for him. Oh, I was out there, too. Uh, it was oh, it was I'm... like July 12th, uh, and we were like all sweating our butts off like at noon. <laughs> Can you dig it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They sent Manny Diaz out to give him the key to the city. Yeah, yeah, and he has Guadavera on and all that. Oh, yeah. Man. Killing it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and he promised that we would have a championship parade on Biscayne Boulevard, and, and lo and behold, we did. He did it. He's outstanding. Speaking of teams that don't have championship parades. Now, let's talk about the Miami Heat. <laughs> no. <laughs> let's talk more about the Miami Speaking Heat. about teams on, that Miami don't Heat, have championship baby. parades. The uh, there was another team. Uh, no, did they even play the on Christmas? Uh, they're, co- they're run by the Zen Master. Mm. How, how is the Zen looking in New York today? Mr. Fanatic. Is that yoga you're doing? That's that's my Zen exercises. That's your Zen exercises. Okay. That makes perfect sense. I'm clearing so the bad energy from the room. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, we all know that New York teams, they play for cap space. Jake, you hear that? And draft picks. <laughs> this year, that's for sure. We're playing for ping pong balls this year. <laughs> Yeah, no. So, so what's up with these Knicks? I mean, are they gonna that's, are they gonna manage to tank effectively? It's as bad as it gets right now. I mean, seriously, like, like after you know this Monday, I'm declaring the New York Post the official publication of Black Monday. Well, what what happened there? Well, they're always they they, they criticize everybody really harshly. That's like the Post style, you know the the New York Post, but like. For Black Monday, it's like there's always the Jets to go after. It's just it's special. But then I I found out they had 20 million in cap space and they didn't use it. I mean, is this like a ultimate sin? You know, Look, the, the, the Knicks the always want it. the cap space. The Jets have it and don't use it. Somewhere in the middle, there's a winner. <laughs> Maybe it's the just, GM got a piece of that money. You know, right. Maybe he gets a percentage. Whatever you save us, I'll give you a percentage of. It. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Maybe he walked away with that yesterday. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, what's up with the Knicks? I mean, are, are, is this it? Are they hitting bottom? They are hitting bottom. I don't know if they're gonna, if if Phil's going to start wheeling and dealing some of those uh, expiring contracts now, or he's just going to let it run out. You know, let the ping pong balls fall where they may, and you know, start over next year. Or do you trade? I mean, good chances are Carmelo Anthony is going to get shut down sooner than later this year for the Knicks. Um, you say shut down? Shut down as far as he's got a couple of creaky injuries and, you know, why not save him for when the times are going to get better next year, hopefully. Mm. Oh, so, you, so you think he's going to find an injury? That's well, he is a little He He got pulled out of the up. game yesterday. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm. I think his pride might be banged up a little bit more, but he's banged up. My question is to you guys, do you think Fisher is the coach for this team? Why not? <laughs> why? Mean, why not? This is a horrible team. Horrible. Okay, not for this I'm team. Not okay, happy. for the okay, let me rephrase that. For the I've future. Seen out of Fisher. Yeah, for the future. Look, he's oh, a rookie. I mean, he's a rookie head coach, you know, he's going to go through the learning curve just like any rookie anything. Um, but from what I've seen thus far, not happy. Not happy. But can you expect much with the squad they got out? No, of but that's right the other now. thing too. No, you can't. You really can't. The talent's definitely, definitely not there. 
Um, I mean, this is another Idzik and, and Ryan situation we, where Phil keep, set him up yeah, to fail. Maybe. But not really. Not really. But well, I hope he set him up to fail because if they're not tanking, hand, this is if they're not tanking, guy. you know. <laughs> no, this is hand-chosen guy. You know, he thought he was going to – Phil was doing the right thing with that Dallas trade. In the beginning, it kind of looked like it was a decent trade. Um, Calderon hasn't really, you know, done what he's been expecting to do, lead the triangle. Well, I mean, they could have gotten Ricky Rubio and had three Spanish point guards. Then no, that you can make like, a triangle with those three point guards. Triangu- and that Triangulo. Triangulo. Yes. See. See. can stay. <laughs> so, I mean, do you think that he that the Knicks can stay on mission and tank this season? <laughs> I think they're doing a great job of it. Yeah. Well, just remember, this is what the Post has to say about the New York Jets season, okay? The Jets can't even tank a season the right way. With Sunday's win, the Jets fell to number six in the NFL draft order. The sixth pick may be just far enough for them to lose out on quarterbacks Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston, and wide receiver Mari Cooper. Is that the fate that the Knicks are going to suffer here? Well, that's different because this is, you know, the NBA is all about ping pong balls and lottery. It's not yeah. just whatever your record is. Exactly. Well, maybe so Jim Dolan can go to the corner luck. store and buy some more of those ping pong balls. Well, yeah, hopefully we got to get those weighted uh, ping pong balls from 1984 back in that <laughs> gave ex- us Patrick Ewing. Who, who's he needs some uh, envelopes. Who's, who's been getting all the first round picks? Yeah, <laughs> what's the, who was it? Port, not Cleveland. Portland. Yeah, Cleveland. There you go. What is, what's their secret? Yeah, Cleveland. Huh? They just they suck. But they get all the and first the round NBA picks. NBA wanting LeBron back in Cleveland. Yeah. <laughs> now yeah. Cleveland's secret to success is I mean they're they're a reflection of the city you know they, they a lot of trailer parks they like lotteries mm. and they're big lottery players big mm. big big okay well I'll tell you what we're going to take a really short break and we'll be right back this is the only in Miami show
Welcome back. This is the Only in Miami show. And I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show, podcasts, iTunes, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more at www.onlyinmiamishow.com. We're on the phone with Jake Hornreich from Don't Hate Miami. Jake, thanks for joining us. Hey, how's it going? Great. And we got the drastic fanatic himself in the mm-hmm. studio. In the flesh. In the flesh. So what do you guys think about the recent move of Josh Smith from the hapless outside of playing against the Cavs uh, Pistons uh, off to the Rockets? Well, Terrence Jones, man, they couldn't wait for him anymore. I mean, the guy, he lost a feeling in his leg. He had a nerve nerve problem. Okay. And, he was um, one of their, their three draft man. picks right. a couple of years ago. Up and coming guy. I actually had him on my uh, fantasy team, been holding on to him, waiting for news. Reached out to my buddy who does uh, Houston Sports Radio over there to see if he had any inside track. Apparently, it's a, it's a really a severe injury with the nerve damage. So let me tell you something. Josh Smith is one of my least favorite players in the NBA. Really? Yeah. Even, uh, uh, Josh, uh, Josh, Jake, what do you think? I mean, what do they got him for? $2 million? That's a steal. Basically, I think he's getting up big numbers. Never he's, the most inef- he's the most inefficient guy you can ever imagine. Well, he, he wasn't always that way. He's just kind of grown that yeah, way. If you played in Detroit, wouldn't you be? <laughs> no, but he was like that in Atlanta, too. Like, the guy thinks he can shoot the jumper and threes. He can't shoot. He's the only guy in like the history of the NBA that shot under 40% from the field and under 50% at the line. It's impressive, man. It takes a lot of talent to stay in the NBA with those kind of numbers. I mean, I guess if you have Dwight Howard cleaning up your, your schmutz, then you could keep chucking it, you know? Well, what do you think, Jake? Is he going to really improve the, the Rockets, or is this just another distraction for uh, the, the Dwight? I mean, I thought it was a great move for Houston. I mean, getting a guy like Josh Smith with all of his fault, um, you know, if put in the right position, especially with, the guy, with you know, they got Howard and Dwight out there, and, um, you know, I, I I can't see where it could hurt them, honestly. Where are they going to drop? A guy that wasn't going to play anyways, and you get to fill that in with Josh for $2 million. Yeah, Montejunas well, is was playing Granger. good, though. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I had Josh Smith on my fantasy team a few years ago. You remember that league, Drastic. Sure. It was close. But, but in that one particular year, he just decided, okay, I'm not going to shoot any threes. He literally stopped shooting the three. That's and he the was best one of the, decision you can make. Yeah, and he was one of the best players in, in basketball that year. He averaged 18 points, like nine boards, two blocks, two steals, and uh, you know I'll everything you in the restricted area. Peripherals. He's a good defender, great athleticism, all that good stuff. But it's you know, it's like when you when you play in the street and there's a and there's a three point line out there. And you got the guy who could dunk on your head every time. He just wants to pull up for three. You know, he'll keep letting him shoot it. Well, yeah, I mean, he looked at the line to take a half inch step back to make sure that he's not stepping on it. Yeah, exactly. That's a, that's his mentality, and that's it's just. Yeah, but you know what? He actually was an elite finisher. He was shooting over sixty five percent from the restricted area, which is LeBron James territory. The problem is, is that he can't step past that restricted area and put anything in the hole. Dude, I was. He doesn't the... need to anymore. And and he shouldn't. <laughs> I was at that All-Star game in Denver, right? His rookie year. All right. He won the slam dunk contest. Oh, yeah. He, oh, cool. he, he, brought, he brought out the old Dominique jersey, remember? Yeah, I missed that one, but I, I used to watch him live. Dude, that was then. one of the best. Dunk- I mean, he brought the house down. I was like, you know, this guy's great. Why doesn't he take it to the hole? <laughs> wow. If you could throw it down like that, 
What are you doing pulling back for jump shots? Right. Well, I mean, I used to actually go to Hawks games just to see Josh Smith because he jumped through the ceiling. Yeah. I mean, uh, Jake, is there a guy like that that you can name? A guy where you'd go see a bad team or a team you wouldn't otherwise uh, watch against the Heat uh, just to see that guy? Is there any one of those guys out there right now for you? Um, right now, you know, I, I did enjoy going to the um, the Minnesota game. Okay. Um, They've got a lot of young guys. Yeah, Wiggins. And, uh, and I don't know. You know, I do like going to see the Hawks. I like to see Horford. You know, he's not one of the – you know, the Hawks are a good team this year, though. So it's not like, you know, you're going to go see a slub team and expect anything. Um, the Bucks games have been entertaining to watch with those guys. The Greek that, Freak. That young squad. Yeah, they well actually they're probably going to be a playoff team this year. The Bucks? Well, anybody should be in the East. Yeah, the East is rough. <laughs> I swear, to God, you know, you watch the East play like on Christmas, right? You were watching like Knicks, Wizards, or any, and then you watch the West play. It looks like a totally different sport. It doesn't even look like they're playing the same sport. Unless you're watching the Lakers. Well, <laughs> well <laughs> the Lakers are playing East Coast ball but in the it, West when, Coast, and they're not yeah, doing, yeah. playing any ball well. <laughs> I know, but in general, I'm saying it's such a it's such a divide. Yeah, to be honest with you, I can't even put on a Knicks game anymore. They're so bad. I agree. I'm with you. (laughs) Wow. I'm with you. It hurts. Oh, I left them out of my broadband pass. I got the five teams. I got the Heat. I got. You don't need the Heat. You get the local. No, no. I mean, I but I mean, whatever. I still want to be able to see it on the the thing. In case you're in space. Yeah, you know, in case I'm here. Uh, (laughs) Hey, wait a second. (laughs) I'm going to put the game on. Uh, But uh, I got the Heat. I got the Cavs and the Bulls. The Cavs, for obvious reasons, the Bulls, because I think that they're probably going to be the number one seed right. this year. No West Coast teams. You're not trying to say. And then I got I got the Clippers and and the uh, Warriors. Warriors, yeah, Golden is State. Yeah, Golden State. Yeah. Well, yeah. Warriors is a must add. Yeah, Jake. Do you, do you have an, a second team at all? Because I mean, you know, in the NBA, you got those West Coast teams. You only see them a couple times a year. You know, I do like to go see the Clippers and the Warriors when they're in town. Um, I try to make a point because, you know, those guys are always great to see, even if they are going to make it rain on us. So it's just a thing of beauty, honestly, watching um, Flash Brothers killing it. Yeah, just it is. Like, just like, geez, come on, guys. But, you know, it hurts. But it's one of those things where it's, uh, it's just good basketball. It yeah, is you good can, If you love good basketball, then you love to watch those teams play. I mean, yeah. they play it right. Oh, yeah. And uh, let's face it. I mean, who wouldn't want to cheer for the Clippers after getting rid of Donald Sterling after all these years? I mean, that's got to factor into it, you know, like wanting to see them succeed. Because last year, I thought that was the most unfair thing I've ever seen thrown at a sports team. You're in the playoffs and the crazy owner of the team is going out and just insulting people and insulting the heck out of Magic Johnson. What's up with that? Uh, the whole thing, I don't know. You know it, it seemed too uh, contrived. Mm. It wasn't contrived, but I mean, you know, the real offense is that he was uh, he was in participating in housing discrimination and and paid a huge fine for it. But everybody knew that. If that, you know, yeah, if they wanted to, so all you're saying is they found an excuse to get him out of the league. Oh, I I agree. But, I mean, there was there was such a huge purge in the NBA in the last two years. They got rid of the Maloofs, the, uh, Donald Sterling, those evil guys that ran the Hawks all those years. And, look, they're doing better. Yeah. Uh, they got rid of the Bucks owner, who was a cheapskate. Uh, they got rid of who else? Who else changed teams? Not Dolan yet. Not yeah, no, Dolan no, no, yet. Get rid of Dolan. You know who you might want to add to your f- 
to your five teams, though, is the Dallas Mavericks. Oh, yeah. you're right. Yeah. You're right. right. Yeah, they're going to be man. wrecking But you got to pick your teams based on the conferences, too, because chances are if you pick, you know, one and one conference, they'll be playing each other a little bit more often. Yeah, but Dallas so is in the, the central time zone. It. Yeah, it's true. It's just I hate the Mavericks. Do you? <laughs> want after just they, on the basis of beat you guys? who owns them, and oh, it's so unclassy, so unclassy. What's that? The Mavericks. What? Oh, dude, have you been to their arena? No, I can't nah. say. Nah. They have to basically pipe in fan noise. Okay, the thing is lit up like a freaking convention center floor. It's like bright, bright white light, and they have this enormous plaza behind the arena that they built out with all these lights and restaurants, and it all failed. It's this enormous empty plaza right behind the arena. Oh, kind of like uh, Marlin Stadium. Mm, yeah, but that's not as close to the AAA. <laughs> no, but then, but then, okay, so they get their their ring finally, their one ring, right? And what do they do? They put the banner up, and it's got a red and black base just to say, "Ha ha, we beat the Heat." How unclassy is that? Oh man, no, I didn't even know that. Oh yeah. Check out pictures mm. of that flag. Conspiracy yeah, theorists. That, that, that's <laughs> move. But I was there to watch them give the Cavs the North American sports record for most consecutive losses. So I'll, I'll thank them for that. Well, you know, to be honest with you, if I'm, you hear I'm, that I'm music. I even wanted them on the league pass, the Cavs. <laughs> oh, well, if you hear the music, it means that we're out of time tonight. But, Jake, thanks for joining us on the phone. All right, good stuff, Grant. Awesome, and, good and stuff, fanatic. Our listeners can find you on Facebook at facebook.com. Don't hate Miami. Don't hate Miami. Drastic. Thanks for coming Happy into the New show. Happy New Year, everybody. Have a great New Year, guys, and be we'll be back there. next week, Monday night, seven to nine p.m. This is the only in Miami show.